0: to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Today I want to title my message, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. So there's a photo of us at camp. Uh, uh, this is after their dirty games. It was so not dirty at all because it was raining. They were totally all washed clean. Uh, and, and this is our bunch of guys, there were about 30 plus 40 of them uh, and, and it was such a powerful time. You know, and um, how many of you, I, I want to be relevant today, right? Uh, <laughs> I want to be relevant today, so I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to open the message We you, uh, talking about this one character. Uh, how many of you watched uh, last night, about yesterday, uh, the Avengers came out with the end game trailer, right? Yeah. How many of you caught it? Alright, sit back, relax, we're going to watch the trailer now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not pulling your leg. We can't pull that in church, I'm sorry. I've not reached that level where I can pull a, a, an Avengers uh, trailer yet, so we'll, we'll get there, yeah? So if you caught the recent trailer of the Avengers uh, uh, Endgame, uh, that's the continuations of the Avengers series. The, I didn't know, I didn't know that there was a four-part series to this. I always thought I was like, oh yeah, it's just like, you know, it's just part of something, you know. And uh, and, and I'm gonna tell you the four-part series. If you don't know and you are traveling, this is the part where you get on the plane and you catch up, okay? So you're you're not you're not losing out, okay? This four-part series starts with the Avengers, okay? There's no don't worry, there's not coming, it's not coming out on the screen. Yes. It kind of starts with the Avengers, then the Age of Ultron, right? And then the Infinity Wars, and what what will come out next year will be Endgame. So if you if you watch the Infinity Wars, there was a main villain. His name is Thanos. Thanos, uh, somebody had a meme. If you know who is stronger, Thanos or Tan-no-nos. Ten No Nos, okay, never mind. I as I was watching in the Infinity Wars, I was just sitting there and I turned to, Okay, I, was, I think it was Punkia, somebody was sitting beside me and I said, Thanos don't seem like a really bad guy, you know. Like, you know, he has such good reasoning. And so I decided that today I want to talk about Thanos. I know. <laughs> That's why it's can't stop, he won't stop, right? Thanos was a man who can't stop and he won't stop. So the question today we need to really ask ourselves is Thanos really evil? Okay, I went on Reddit. Here are a few reasons why Thanos is not an evil person. See, (laughs) Thanos' ultimate goal was to stop poverty, war, and destruction. Come on. (laughs) Okay, don't say your amens. Keep it to yourself, right? (laughs) See what he did on Gamora's homeland. He wanted to do for the rest of the galaxy as well. His purpose was good. The Avengers would be on his side if the solution was not to kill lots and lots of people. But let's be honest, um, they will eventually kill each other anyway. And uh, it, remember the last time he he let he let people do something for him. It happened in his hometown called Titan. Uh, he had this great idea of like solving the problem, but then he gave the solutions he gave other solutions a chance. What happened to Titan? Gone. Right there, gone. Alright, so he, he learned, he learned, he learned, right? And so he decided, see, from a very strictly utilitarian stance, we should really be sh- cheering for Thanos because he's, the, he's causing the greatest good for the greatest number in the long run. Come on. Okay, don't, yeah, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm, preach, I'm preaching Thanos today. See, he wasn't heartless about killing people either because every death that he caused advanced his purpose and he, he didn't kill when he didn't have to. He could easily kill all of the Avengers. He could have killed Drax. he could have killed Mantis, he could have killed Thor, he could have killed Piddle Quill. But in others alive, they wanted him dead, but he didn't. He understands where they were coming from and it's okay to be hated. He's not doing anything for his own glory. Come on. <laughs> conflicted, right? Are you feeling conflicted right now? See, he was also willing to bear personal sacrifice. No, he sacrificed Gamora. Not his only Bricolin daughter. Don't think about that. <laughs> I knew it was in your head. <laughs> Who he really, truly loved for the good of the galaxy. Wow. See, Wanda struggled to kill Vision. And that was the old problem. Man. Let's be honest. <laughs> and one last thing. He was doing all of this not for his personal gain. Because at some point in the movie, he said, you know, when all of this is done, I'm just going to retire into a farmhouse and you know, be real chill about that. So the question is, is Thanos really evil? Are you, are you now are you now really conflicted? <laughs> Many of you are now very convinced that Thanos is good. Can I be honest with you that we live in a time where good and evil sometimes are, are stirred together. They are like in the same power. And it's very difficult for us to, especially our young people, to differentiate what is good and what is evil. I know what is, uh, you know, really r- like right for standing up, and what is really a, a time for us to hold back. Yeah. Back in the day, evil was really simply portrayed as a man who was not so good looking, and uh, he had uh, you know, he just wanted to take over a city, or he wanted to take over, a se- he ta- wanted to take down a certain superhero, or he was just this animal that was f- very lost uh, and filled with a lot of power, and then he just decided to destroy things. So they had to call an Ultraman. Right, <laughs> right. Like out of nowhere in Japan there's a butterfly and then he starts butterfly starts killing everything. Or out of nowhere there's a like a, you know, there's a I don't know, it's so weird. I love you, by it's so weird. But these days, this day, we grew up supporting uh our, 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 the villains as well. You know, I reached like a couple, like about a year back, I, I was watching Narcos because everybody was telling me it was really good. I watched Narcos and at the end of Narcos when they shot Pablo Escobar, I cried. I was like, This man, oh my goodness, God. Start crying. <laughs> I felt so much for the man because right these days, the evil was not just a simple villain. Evil had a back story and he has good intentions. And the question today I wanted to ask all of us is what is goodness and who is good? You know, because the idea of goodness is so stirred and and, and the world has its idea of goodness. The church has its idea of goodness. We have our own idea of goodness and where do we really stand when it comes to goodness? What is the line that we compare it with? You know, just a couple of days during camp, I was preparing my message and I was listening to, to this song by Hillsong United. I love the old albums and the new albums. Break it, you know and uh and, and this song was called savior king all right i really love that song and i've heard that song a thousand times okay it's been in my playlist since i was 17 it's been almost 10 years since it's been out and and there was uh these two lines that suddenly stood out to me and it says that you are god and you alone are good and i i was just so stumbled like what only god is good how could it be? And so I remember walking down to like, find my team and they were sitting there eating dinner and I said to them, hey, I don't get it. Like, how can God be the only one that is good? He alone, okay? There's nobody, I, we can't understand why everybody say, God is good all the time, right? So we all kind of like, you know, yes, God is good all the time. But we don't talk about how He alone is good. So, you know, and, and I walk to my team and I said how can it be God? God is, God is good. And what about us? What about people doing good things? Because all of us do good things, Right? And all of us have good nature in us. Sometimes we look at somebody and say, man, he's such a good person. Today, I want to invite you on a journey with me to discover God's goodness. How we can respond to his goodness. And can God be good? Can I be good? Is it conditional? How should we expect this? And how do I respond to God's goodness? Come on. So we're going to pray, alright? Because then, this is the three part that makes the sermon legit. Pray passage of scripture and a Greek word. <laughs> Alright, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Lord, we ask for your presence even here as we sit uh, that today you would uh, just reveal your goodness to us that you would show us who you really are and would you um, right, as, as, the, as, as the angels circle around you and they sing about you God we want to see you in your glory we want to see you in your goodness we want to know you and we want to be so transformed by your beauty we love you Jesus and we thank you in Jesus name we pray Amen so we're going to turn to our, our, our Bibles if you're using a Bible alright Mark chapter 10 verse 17 to 22 we want to talk about the rich young ruler this morning I, I decided I was going to use a color that would shock you. That would just be like, oh, I said, oh man, I should bring my Bible next time. This is just way too difficult to read. It's just too much. Too much. See here, Jesus has begun his ministry and the word about him has started spreading through the nation of Israel. Uh, and, and, and people will start talking about him because of the things that he started doing that were, were, were lame people who start walking, blind people who start seeing, uh, and, the, and, the, and the truth is, the religious people started talking about him. Do you know, all of us know that when somebody threatens our religiosity, we all start talking about, oh my goodness, do you see that person that day? You know, All of us, we, uh, when we are threatened, we will start to talk about the person. And here was Jesus, and he was doing his ministry, and, and, and word has spread around. And here's a certain rich young ruler. Uh, people say that he's about his 30s. He probably came from a pretty good, well-to-do family. He was a man of influence, a man of stature. And he was, a, he, was a, he was a smart man, not like an unlearned man like John and James who just decided to swing the sword, you know, swing the sword. You know, he, he, he was not there. He was a man who, has, who honestly has gotten much in life. You would call him a, a person who was really comfortable, who, who was really like, uh, uh, somebody that everybody look up to and he has heard about Jesus and he's been preaching about that Jesus had been preaching about a different kingdom and so he heard about this eternal life that Jesus was preaching about and so he said and so in, jo- in Mark 10 said, he says this now he has he, as he was going out on the road one came running have you ever seen somebody run towards you And this guy comes in fashionable style, okay? He runs and then he kneels, all right? So I'm thinking he just probably like slides in, right? He slides in on his knees. And then all the dust just like. And as the dust uh, moves away and he says, good teacher, all right? Everybody say, "Good good teacher. Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What may I do that I may inherit eternal life? See, here's the, here's. And so Jesus said to him, "Say, Why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered, said to them, said to Jesus, Teacher, all this I have done, uh, all this I have kept from my youth. See the Greek word, good. Hmm. That's the top part. That's the top part. All right, catch up. The Greek word "good" means uh, it is it's written as "agathos." I'm sorry, I never put it on the side, but uh, the, uh, uh, the the Greek word for the for the word "good" is "agathos," and uh, it means intrinsic, intrinsically good, good in nature. It was a word that was only used at that point in time when you describe God. It was not a, a word that you would say, oh, Andre is a good man. People would not use the word good on people because it reflected the nature of who God is. And, and, and when you look at the nature of who God is, there was two words that come with that. It was righteousness and holiness. And these were things that people look and they say, man, I can't attain that. So we can't use the word good and somebody. They would say that the person was smart. They say that the person uh, uh, did a nice thing. They would say that the person was rich and had good intentions, but they would not say that the man was good. And if you read throughout the whole, and you read through the scriptures in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the, the only time that the word, uh, the, one of the few, most, most frequent used times that the word good was used was in the Psalms. That David oftentimes used good to describe God. And you and always accompany with something, all right? So for example, in Psalms 105, it says that for the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness is all to all generations. In Psalms 145 verse 9, He says that the Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. And most famously we know is come, uh, in, in Psalms 34 verse 8, it says that all taste and see that He is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, the word good was oftentimes used to describe God, but not man. Alright. Come on, that's good, eh? See, we were all created with goodness. You know, the the first time the Bible ever uh, wrote, the word uh, good was ever mentioned was in Genesis 1-4. And he says that when God said, you know, uh, uh, it says that when and God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Come on. And when he saw the light, God, when God saw the light, and the light was good, He separated light from darkness. So the first time He ever mentioned good was the was in was in relation to the light that was that was spoke forth from His mouth. And when God had made all that He had desired to to make, it says in Genesis one thirty one. it says that God saw all that He had made, everything that He had made, and what did He say? He said that it was very good. And all of us can understand that because, you know, when you go to uh, uh, the Niagara Falls or you go to Japan and you look at the trees or even here in Singapore, you go to Coney Island, you look at the trees, the pine trees, and you say, God is good, man. Come on, God is good. Alright, we're going to try this, alright? Every time I say God is good, we're going to say? Alright, say God is good? All the time? All the time. Yeah. But here's, here's, the, here's, here's also the, the climax, you know. See, God had created all of this, and He created man, He created creatures, and He said all was good. And, it, and it, this is the part where, you know, man was uh, hanging out in the, in the garden, and then God tells uh, a man... You know, you know. Every time when we have something good, we need to protect that good thing. And when we have something good, there is must be an option for something that you know that could also spoil that goodness. You see that God was not creating robots in which people had no choice; they were stuck in the garden. It was not that you know. And God was—it's just really funny that He would place right in the middle of the garden. Sometimes I think about it and I say, God, why if you just put it at the corner, nobody would see it, nobody would know it. Why do you have to put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right smack in the middle of the garden? Like, why? You know, like, why? I don't have the answer, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting there, right? I'm getting there. I don't know what the answer is, but and in Genesis uh, chapter 2, 15, it says that, and the commandment, the Lord commanded the man, and says, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, what happens? You will surely die. You will surely die. And we all know what happens right after that. You know, sometimes we, I, I look at this and I'm like, He just told you, man. Why do you, like, why? What was going through your brains, man? But we all know what that what that feels like when the when, when the when the enemy comes and tempts us, you know. Like we had a really good camp, and then we go home, and then just like, man, should I pray or should I watch Netflix? Netflix, go. There you just know, walk towards your Netflix. But you know, and all of us have these moments of like when we encounter God really powerful, and but then like, oh, no choices, and 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 what happens after that was the serpent tempts eve and by asking her a series of questions that causes her to challenge and doubt the goodness of god and the first question that the enemy asked or the, the serpent asked was did god really say did god really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden so the woman responded you know he the, the serpent's really smart he don't like you know hey just eat it he just went he went did god really say So sometimes a lot of times in my life i i encounter god and then i go home and i think did god really encounter me you know, it was just a thought, right? And and here's the serpent. He says that, did, did, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman responded, she said, you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And so the serpent says to her, you will not certainly die. That's all lies. And, uh, and he says that, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And here so, it's so interesting, right? Where God created us all in, in, the, in, in goodness, yet, yet uh, the, the very thing that tempted uh, Adam and Eve was this idea that they could know what's good and what's evil. They could differentiate and it could be like God. And so when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin corrupted God's goodness inside of us. It's not that the goodness was ripped out, but it was it was as though you know you have a you have a glass of milk, right? And then you, you take like a you take you take coke and then you like pour a little in it. Do we still say that the milk is clean? That the milk is milk? No, we say that the milk is now corrupted. And when sin entered the world through Adam's and Eve, Adam and Eve's disobedience, the sin corrupted God's goodness inside of us in the pursuit of wanting to know what is evil and good, of wanting to be like God. What was good when God created in them was now corrupted in disobedience, sin, and rebellion. And this tore us apart from, from God. And we, we, now our eyes can see uh, 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 truly what they are. And, and, and suddenly we, we, we see the shame that is upon us. See, the deterioration of sin picked up quickly from there. It started with the of Abel, to the Tower of Babel, to the sins of God, Sodom and Gomorrah. Even the fathers of the faith were, without, were not without sin. Abraham jumped the gun on, on, on God's promise. Isaac used his wife as protection. Jacob lied, cheated for his birthright. The uh, Israel's sons sold their brother because he talked too much. Right, You find a guy in your house that talks too much, then you sell him away. <laughs> Moses was a murderer, and here we are, God decides to take Israel out of Egypt. He takes them out of Egypt, all the miracles that happened, all the things that they saw, they saw what God was doing, and God was giving them an invitation for them to know Him, but they rejected it, and what did they do? They built something that they could control, they built something that they could see, they built something that they could... Uh, they could say it was their own. And so they built a golden calf while Moses was up on that hill. See, it was impossible, absolutely impossible for any of us to be good. It's not that we could not do good things, but it is in, in, inside of us that we have a, 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 a sin nature. And, 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 and so what God did was God introduced the law to show the children of Israel what was right and wrong. He gave them an atonement yearly that they could uh, make right what was wrong. And that the sins of the nation could be removed. Well, we all know that there's not a plan A, right? We all know that there's not plan A, but and Jesus was plan A the whole entire time. See, the law reveals to us what is sin, and the cross reveals to us what is goodness and mercy. My point number one is this God alone is good. See, we were created with goodness. But because of the rebellion and the sin that is in us, our goodness has been corrupted. And we can't change that. We can't do anything about that. Have you ever tried to take a tumor out from yourself? Like, like you can't do that. You gotta go through an operation. One of the questions people oftentimes ask me is that is this is, you know, when we talk about goodness, you cannot don't talk about evil. Right? So, like, you know, if right on. Oh, where was the serpent from, you know? How can I, how can, why, why did God create evil, you know, and stuff like that? See, we cannot talk about goodness without talking about evil. People oftentimes ask this very big question. If God, if a good God made the world, why has it gone wrong? The question I came to ask myself is how did I get this idea of right and wrong, just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has an idea of a straight line. Only when you see a straight line before you can say, "Oh, yeah, the line is crooked." See, a man feels wet when he falls into water because man is not a a, a, a water animal. But really, does a few a fish feel wet? Hmm. <laughs> that is not the question. I need you to think about the whole entire day. It's like, oh, fish feel wet, <laughs> moist. <laughs> See, if the whole universe has no meaning, then we should have never found out that it has no meaning. Just that is if there was no light in the universe, therefore no creatures with eyes should ever know that it was dark. And dark wouldn't be a word without meaning. Wickedness, when you examine, is your pursuit of something good in the wrong way. Hashtag Thanos. Alright? I, I explained it now, okay? It was like he wanted good things, but he did it in the wrong way. Okay, wickedness, when you ex- uh, you can be good for the mere sake of goodness, but you cannot be bad for the mere sake of badness. You cannot do a kind action, you, or you can do a kind action when you're not feeling kind, and when it gives you no pleasure simply because kindness is right. But no one ever did a cruel action because simply cruelty is wrong, only because cruelty is pleasant or useful or pleasurable to him. So all of us do, like, you know, why do why we involve ourselves in sin? It's because we get something out of it. Who, who ever did sin because like... No, nobody, nobody ever was did cruelty because cruelty is wrong. But we, because we want to get something out of it. Badness is only spoiled goodness. It's spoiled milk. In order to be bad, one must have good things to want and then to pursue in the wrong way. He must have impulses which were originally good in order to be able to pervert them. But if he is bad, he cannot supply himself either with good things to desire or with bad or with good impulses to pervert. He must get both these impulses, these good ideas, from the good power, which is God. And if so, then he is not independent, but he is part of this world that God originally created. So to be bad, one person must have must exist, must have intelligence and have will. And we all know that existence does not come by a snap of a finger. God created our existence. And to have intelligence and will is to be given by, is to be created with it. You can't just have intelligence. It just doesn't drop from the sky. You know, even if it drops from the sky, who created it? So existence, intelligence, and will are in themselves good. And therefore, if someone must be getting them from the, therefore, if he must be getting them from the good power, Even to be bad, he must borrow or steal from the good power and pervert them. So now can we all see that Christianity has always said that the devil is a fallen angel. The the devil did not create himself. He did not uh, uh, make anything. He, he he, He was created by God and he is a parasite and not an original thing. We are all capable of good intentions, good works, and sometimes good nature, guys. Some of us can turn on and off our good nature, right? We are able to love someone, show affection, father and mother, children, but we cannot mistake that we are without sin, without fault because we all know that the coke is in the bottle. It's in the milk and the milk has been contaminated. Only God alone is good. God is good on see jesus looks at the man i'm going to go back to scripture right jesus looks at the man with love in his eyes and, and, he, and he slides down and he, he says what must i do to inherit eternal life and he says do all of this and he says he, he you know the the rich young ruler was just really quick to to say i've done it all i've done it all now can i have eternal life I, i've done it all and jesus looks at the man and he said in the bible it says that he loved him he loved him he was not like a you know dude come again next time kind of idea. But he loved that man and he extended in the invitation to the rich young ruler to follow him a life of surrender. My point number two is this. Jesus is inviting us to a place of complete surrender. Jesus looks at the man and he hears him and he says that one thing you let go your way and sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. This young man thought about it and he was sad at this word and went away sorrowfully for he has great possession. See, He could easily have been the 13th disciple. We could have written uh, stories about him, heard uh, things about him, but he could not lay down what was important for him. The Jewish young ruler knew that Jesus was different. He came because he had heard that, that this man has come to give us eternal life and give us life abundant. He has heard that Jesus says that he's the truth, the way, and the life. He has heard all of this. So he comes. But here Jesus tells him to come, you, you just gotta you, you gotta obey all the commandments. And he said, I've done all of it. And then, he say, and then Jesus pushes it a little further and says, Would you love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? There's, there's Jesus' challenge to us. See, Jesus' fundamental lesson is. Here is that goodness flows not from a man's deed, but rather from God himself. Jesus invites the man to follow him and that's the only way of doing good, by God's standard of life. Of the standard of goodness, Jesus described to the young man what it means to follow him and he was unwilling. So when one considers that Jesus is drawing a distinction between man's goodness and God's goodness, it becomes clear that that Jesus is good. And that man cannot attain God's goodness by our own ability, our own deeds. The, the Bible has this really interesting, uh, uh, the, in the gospel it has this really interesting uh, line that it says that whoever, show, whoever uh, gives up his life will gain it. And I remember uh, hearing that for the very first time. And I was like, is this like a trade-off? Like, I give you mine and then you give me yours? How, do this, how does this work? But what, what it really means is to live a life completely abandoned from the things that this world has to offer and to choose to love God. What if today you took away everything that gave you your identity, your security? You know, I've always prayed and asked God, I said, God, if one day I'm not able to do the things that I do, uh, what does that make make me and I'm still in pursuit of that question. I'm going to be honest that I don't think anybody will fully understand that until the day that happens. And, and I always ask the Lord, I say, God, if I can't make videos anymore, if I can't lead youth ministry anymore, what if I'm not cool anymore? No, what if I can't do blenders and, and stuff like that? What if I can't say oof and, and be able to talk about Thanos and relate to people? What if I can't do all of this that gave me my identity? That's oh it's really funny, you know? I know some of you here don't know me. Uh, I came to church only when I was 15. I got saved in two youth camps and my life got totally transformed. Uh, And my my family came to know Jesus years later. And and I've seen God's goodness all throughout my life, but I still struggle to find what is my identity. How can I, how can 1% accept Christ? We all know that accepting Christ is not just a one-time event. I love it that when my young people, when I give the altar call and say, who wants to receive Jesus today? All of them still raise up their hand today. They like, oh yeah, we want to. <laughs> because we all know that the receiving Jesus is a constant process. I've received Jesus more than 50 times in my life. During my rut, which I'll tell you later, I've received Jesus every time I go to church because I knew I was such a rut and I couldn't do this on my own. So how does one person accept Christ? He must first understand that he is a rebel. And he must lay down his arms. And sometimes these arms are not like our guns or or like our swords, but it's our identity. The things that give us security. It might be money. It might be a a loud voice or the ability to sing really well. Uh, Laying down, uh, one must be able to uh, uh, surrender all and be able to say, I'm sorry. And this process of surrender is called repentance. But repentance is no fun. If you ever met real true repentance, it's asking you to unlearn everything that you want, every desire that really makes you feel shook. Sometimes it's like saying, God, I want to fast and not eat chakwe tiao. Lord, help me! You know? Sometimes it's that. It's, it's, like it's, it's saying, you know, uh, it means killing part of yourself, going through a, a, a kind of death. But we all know that for somebody to repent, it requires a good man to be able to repent. A bad person can't repent. But yet, the, only the bad person needs to repent, right? The only person who could do it perfectly would be a perfect person. But he would have no need of repentance. So the only way we can do it is if, if God helps us. If, give us if, he, if He gives us a bit of Himself, He lends us a bit of His reasoning power, gives us a bit of His love, and teaches us how to love others. But how could God do that? Because that is absolutely foreign to him. He is God. He could not possibly give us that because he has never walked in that position before. But can I propose to you, if should God today become a man and he takes on our human nature and he could suffer and die as, uh, but still, fi- fi- say we're still full of the of God's nature in one person. I call, I know that's kind of kind of difficult to understand. Hundred percent man, hundred percent God. Does that make him a two hundred percent person? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if that person could surrender his will and suffer and die because he was man, if that person was here, we could have a help out of this. Our attempts at this dying will only succeed if this man becomes man, if this person becomes a, a, a human being just like us. And our attempts at this dying will only succeed if we men share in this dying just as, we, as our thinking can succeed only because in a drop of, of the ocean of his intelligence, if, if God became man just like us and died for us and shared all of that, yet still being totally perfect, we could have a way out of this. What we cannot share, God's dying unless God dies, and He cannot die except by being a man, and that, in a sense, pays all our debts. That is why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to take full human body, suffer the pain. I'll, I'll, I'll just think about all this, this all the time. You know, I, I love walking around church without um, shoes, right? It's not because of a holy reason. I just enjoy the floor a lot. It's a lot cleaner here, until recently. Recently, I've been walking behind. I was cleaning up the tables. And then I stepped on some kid's Cocoa Crunch. And it really hurt. I never knew Cocoa Crunch would hurt. It really hurt. And and I went like, ah! And I just asked, man, God, do you ever feel pain when you were walking here on the earth? No, you just walk on a, step on a rock. Ah! That hurt. Can I tell you that Jesus felt every pain that came on that cross? the twist very fast right <laughs> Talk about Coco's we're talking about colossians next thing we are talking about Jesus' death <laughs> this is the greatest love that could ever be shown a man suffering every inch of pain for us it was not an easy it was not an easy cross but it was a glorious act of love for a man to give up his life for another so that we can be reconciled with Jesus himself. Today, Jesus is inviting us to a place of complete surrender. He was the firstborn of that. He went and he surrendered everything, so that we can take that step just like he did for us. And it was only through his surrender that we can surrender as well. And point number three is this. When we witness God's goodness in our lives, we can't help but speak. When we have understand the how bad we are, how horrible, how horrible a person we are, we are able to see what what He has done for us, and we, we are able to come to a place and say, "I accept it. I'm sorry, God. I need Your help to, to have this repentance in my life." If, I, if, if there is something if I am able to say yes to him, he will help me know what his goodness is like. and when I see his goodness, I will be transformed. I want to share with you a bit of my story. I, I, like I said, I came to church when I was 15. My parents came to church much later, two le- uh, or three years later, when we first planted this church. Uh, they, they. W- w- one morning, I, I've always been preaching the gospel. I walk around the house doing a lot of funny things that my youth will know. I can't say it on the pulpit. There's a camera at the back, right? But uh, I'll do stupid things at home, and, uh, and, and I'll was, I was shift culture. I'll be walking around, shut, the, Lord, shift the the atmosphere in this house. You no, know? just preach salvation to the house. One day, I woke up, my dad asked me, "Can I go to church with you?" And this was one week before his operation. And he came to church with me, and he had a tumor in his head. He came to church with me, and and he said. Uh, through the service, my mom was very uh my mom just didn't want any part of it. He, she stood outside. I mean, funny, like, she just stood outside the foyer area. And 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 after the service, uh, Pastor Daniel prayed for my dad. And uh and for the first time in my dad's life, for like 50 years that he had lived, for the first time in his life he had felt peace. And he and, and as we were on our way home, he said to me, he said that. Uh, if I go for my operation and, and I come out, uh, fine, I want to go back to church. I want to thank your God. And he went for that operation and he woke up. And he, I remember the first word that he said to me was, he said that we're going to church. And, and, and we went to church the, the next week after he, 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 was, uh, he was slightly recovered. He, he wore a bandage around. And remember him sitting in the back of the, of the, of the service. And, uh, and and I think it was that week that he that, that a, a couple of the pastors came to my house and my, and my dad gave his life to Jesus. God is good. And I remember uh, they were so on fire for God. My mom came to know Jesus a month later. She was just like, no, I'm not having any part of this. And she would just stand outside. And every time she would come in, she would feel the presence of God and she could not help but shake you know, and she would come under the power of the Holy Spirit, and and, and, and there was a transformation in my house. Within a month, all the deities that, that they were praying to got out of the house. They smashed it, destroyed it. My house was full of the Holy Spirit. I, I would wake up in the morning, right, just real groggy about, like, uh, like, I don't even want to read my Bible. I don't even want to talk to God. I sit at the table. My mom's just like, so you know this part in the Bible where it says this, this, this? What does it mean? That I was just like, Mom, not now. <laughs> like, did I pray the wrong prayers, Lord? <laughs> Kidding! I'm kidding. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> and then he. And then I remember, like, he, they would ask me every morning, like, well, like all, all these different questions about the Bible. And uh, I remembered, uh, they they told me that they wanted to get baptized. See, I I didn't get it easy when I wanted to get baptized. I was like persecuted in like Asian manner, like I don't give you money, or you no, know? I'll kick you out of the house, uh, kind of idea, you know. I, I was I was that, you no. Know? And uh, they said they wanted to get baptized, and that was great. They got baptized, and I, I remember going to Jason and I said, I think my work is done. I, am, can, I can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> my work is done here. Uh, but my dad's, uh, they, we found out that the tumor in my dad's head was uh, cancerous, and uh, he was given three to four months to live, and that was why they rushed to get, uh, to get baptized, and they got baptized. Uh, I remember that, that scene when my dad got baptized, we were all just cheering. Beingray was there to help my dad in and out. It was it was so it was so heartwarming and, and I remember like even just like the weeks uh, leading up to my dad's passing, uh, he was given four three to four months to live. He lived for uh, an entire year. Plus plus, I, I, I really uh, yeah it's around there and and I remember that. Um, I, we would have, like, people would come and prophesy, like, so I believe that your dad will be totally healed. And I would start, would start receiving all these, like, different prayers. I would always be at the altar praying, and people would just prophesy, and I would just receive that. And uh, what happened was in, in in March 2011, my dad passed away. Uh, it, it happened really quickly. In, in He had a fall, and then in two weeks, uh, we knew that God was going to take him home, and, uh, and we made all the arrangements, and he went, and he went home to be with the Lord. After that, I really struggled with God's goodness. And as, as all of us, you know, when we go through different trials and, 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 and stuff like that, where, where we see God's goodness, but in, in these moments, it's so difficult to see God's goodness. But my mom was like on fire, man. She really, like, I know she was hurting. I know this was the man that he, she loved for so many years of her life. And, uh, and, she, she, she just moved everything uh, out and, and she just moved on real quick. Uh, she made friends and just really loved the Lord. Every Sunday I would go to church because my mom was going to church. I could not be the guy that brought her to church and then don't go to church after that. I didn't want to be a burden, you know. So I would go with my mom and I, and I remember the two weeks after my dad had passed away, uh, one of my uncles got really sick. Like kidney failure, it was like bad. They said they, they had to ward him in, if not he was going to pass away. My mom said to me, "Actually, I want you to go go with me to the hospital. We're gonna pray for him." And I was like what? <laughs> you for real? I was like, "No, nah, I, I I got something on. I got things to do. You know, I've got army. You know, that was like my face of life." And she said, "No, you gotta go with me." So I just went, and uh, she brought me in front of my uncle and said, "Okay, now pray." And I was like, "You pray? Why I pray? You pray? You pray?" And she. And she said, "No, you pray." So I said, "You know, I did unwillingly." I said, "Jesus, just heal him, Amen." <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Walked out, really angry with God still. You know, still really pers- like really angry with God. Just don't want to talk to God. I just, what happened was the next day morning he was perfectly fine, bill of health, totally healed. It was impossible. The doctors were just like, "How do you? How?" And my mom just came to me. She's like, "Oh yes, like your uncle is totally healed." Your prayers were really, really helpful. I was like... (laughs) I can't believe you guys are laughing at this. (laughs) See, revival continued to happen around me. The youth ministry went into a phase where they saw God's goodness overflow. It was crazy. People were laughing. I would come to church, right? And people would be on the floor crying, laughing, rolling, and prophesying over one another. They would come to me... (laughs) You know, and I'll entertain it because, you know, it's not nice to like, yeah, hey, do your prayers. I don't want people to think that I have any problem with me. And so I was like, yeah, I could, I could. you know, I, w- I was living a life of sin. I, w- I was partying all the time, smoking, uh, drinking. Um, and that's pretty much all. I didn't do much. I did some drugs. <laughs> I did some drugs. That's all, No. You know. Uh, I, I would I w- I w- come to church with re- a real bad hangover with my shades at the back. Yeah, I know. I in my shades at the back and I could talk the Christian life. You know, people come to me, how's your life, man? I'm like, God's good, man. God's good. Real, real, just going through some stuff, but uh, uh, we're, we're working it out. You know, I could say stuff like that, uh, but I couldn't live up the rules that were, that, were, that were placed with this idea of Christianity. God spoke to me while I was still in ride, I remember sitting in a smoking corner, smoking with my friend, and then God would say to me, actually, I just, I just know this guy, his, uh, his family is like this, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, for real? Like, why are you still speaking to me? I'm in the rut. Why will you speak to me? I know this is very controversial. And I, would, and I was like, you know, I want to see if this is real. So I would ask him these questions that like God would put in my heart. And he would be like, he would just be like, how do you know? And I was just like, I don't know, man. I just felt like a hinge of it. I couldn't put away the, the name God in there because I was smoking with the dude. Like, how do you want me? Like, yeah, God's good, man. <laughs> how? See, I constantly struggled because I knew God was good. But I couldn't face up to him because the, of what had happened in my life. I would constantly struggle to face up to him and to acknowledge that he is still good. Even going through all the pain that I was going through. I remember I, 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 I would come to church and I would say, uh, I, I, like Pastor Daniel would say, oh, who wants to receive Jesus? I would just inch my hand in, the, in my heart. And I would, the, I would say the sinner's prayer. And I would say, God, if you are real, then help me in this. I remember there was a cell group that we were at Amy's house. And this was the midst of a revival and everybody was like praying and screaming. And I, and, and I was standing there and I said, God, I, want, I, I need help. And then I was just struck with this crazy impression of vision of God's goodness. I saw, his, I saw a huge hall and, and I just kept hearing the words, the train of my roads filled this temple. And I saw this glory and it honestly wasn't like what I saw that changed me, was the awe that I felt that downfounded me and filled my heart. And I could not say that God is not real and, and I was so torn, and I said, God, if you're so real, then help me leave my sin behind. I can't do this on my own. And I remember leaving the encounter, I, I, I still had a packet of cigarettes on my back, and I walked downstairs to my house, and I looked at a packet of cigarettes, I was like, I can't do this. I threw it away, uh, I went back to army, and, and everybody's just like, XORS, go, go smoke. That's like, I can't, I, uh, why are you trying to quit? And I was like, yeah, kind of, trying to work that out, <laughs> trying to go back into the real life. And I stopped smoking. I stopped all my addictions. I, I started to turn to Jesus. What was crazy was I'd been sleeping in that same bed for almost a year and a half. And that morning, I, I remember waking up. That morning, I had, a, I had a playlist called Rehab with all the Christian songs in there. And I, I would just listen to that all the time. Just like, this is my rehab, right? I would listen I would listen to it. And, uh, and as Phil Wickham sings in my ears. I saw the morning sunrise lift up in front of my eyes. And for a year and half, I never see that sunrise. Suddenly, there was a sunrise, like, just peeking in front of me. And it's like, and the God was just saying, so I love you. I was like, no! I'm not worthy! It was still a struggle to accept my dad's passing. He and I were best friends. Uh, and, and I remembered, like, I didn't have a lot of closure when it comes to my dad. Um, passing because I was just in the jungle all the time. I was a, I was a rifleman. And uh, I remember I, I was going to go to Mozambique, and I was reading this book called Visions Beyond the Veil, where children in this part of China were encountering God, and it was so powerful. The stories in there are crazy. You should read it. It's so, so crazy. And, uh, and I remember as I was reading it, uh, I, I, I said I was, was, I, I sat with my mom, and I said, Mom, I was just reading this book, and uh, this was the, like, the stuff that's happening in, in China, and she said, Whatever you're telling me, your dad saw it on the week that he was going to pass away. He saw the angels that were standing with him. He saw the house that he was going to go back to. And it was all this like, very controversial, like, you for real, like, you know, it's similar, exactly similar to the book. I began to see what Christ was doing in my life. Do I have full closure today? I don't, but I trust in his goodness for my life. And, I've, and I know that he... Like, you know, our time here on the earth is, is, a, is a short, short period of time. And we're going back to an eternal glory that awaits us. And what we see here is temporal. but what we see up there is t- eternal. You know, when I think about the Lord. And how He saved me. How He raised me. How He filled me with the Holy Ghost. How He healed me to the uttermost. I can't sing with this voice. (laughs) When I think about the Lord and how He picked me up and turned me around and how He set my feet. He makes me one. Come on. Yeah. I just want to put that in. I saw what God did in my life. Do I still struggle with the goodness of God? Sometimes, But these are my stories that I hold on to and in in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 it says that you are our epistles Paul writes to the Corinthian church and says you are our epistles you are our stories written in our hearts known and read by all men clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink by the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is of, of, of His heart. And, and, and in, chapter, in chapter 4, it says that, you know, we do not lose heart. In the message rival, it says that we are not giving up. How could we, even though on the outside it looks that things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. Just the idea of an unfolding grace is like it keeps opening up, it keeps opening up. And I love this part. These hard times are like small potatoes. Compared to the good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There is far more here than meets the eye. The things that we see here are, see now are, are, are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things that we can't see now will last forever. God is good! When we start to encounter the, the, the glory of God, when we start to encounter His goodness, when we start to say, Yes, Lord! I don't understand my situation. I surrender all my will to you. I surrender even everything that is happening in my life, I surrender it to you. When we choose that path and when we fix our eyes not on things that are temporal but on the eternal, not on small potatoes, when we fix our eyes on small potatoes but on the lavish celebration that is awaiting us. Can you imagine sitting around eating a, a grand buffet and then then you see people on the floor picking up the crumbs. Could you live with that? I can't. And that is why I, I think when we when we encounter His goodness, it is our job as lovers of Jesus, as people who have, have, have had with unveiled face, seen the glory of the Lord. It is our call and our identity, uh, our, part of our lives to draw people and say, come and sit at the table. Because what's happening here is temporal. But what's what's happening in eternal, what we cannot see is happening eternal. With this, I want to end. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on a bus. I was on my way home minding my own business, really, really tired from sending my girlfriend home because I'm a good boyfriend. And... uh, (laughs) I was standing there, and, 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 and the Lord spoke to me and said, Axel, I, I want you to pray for this girl. And I said, what? <laughs> you know, you want to be minding your own business, like just do your own thing, man, get home and, and like, just live with that. And when you say, God, speak to me, are you really wanting Him to speak to you? And, and immediately after he said, Axel, I want you to pray for this girl, this girl came up the bus. Her name was, uh, I'll tell you her name later. Right? She's coming up the bus, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, God, you for real? She's probably about one of my youth's age and, uh, and she had like a real like, you know, just a kind of face, you know, just like, I don't want to talk to anybody and she's coming up and she sat two seats down from me and I'm saying, God, uh, can I don't, can I don't, can I just, my stop is in three stops, okay, I don't have enough time to pray for her and so I, you know like how we all ignore God, we just like, just act as though it didn't happen until you uh, you get to your stop and you just get off like, oh wait, the bus left, oh no. You know, and uh, that was my plan, okay? Uh, that was my plan going into it. I'm sorry, this is the truth, you know? Yeah, that's the emoji. You know, And it's, it's the, as, my, as my bus got to my stop, I couldn't get myself out of this shit. I was just like, God, I can't. I need to do something, but I don't want to be awkward and weird. I'm just like way older dude, like trying to like pray for a younger on the bus. What if somebody thinks I'm a pedophile? <laughs> so I went into my bag, and in my bag, I remember Cons used to do this. She used to have, like, papers in her bag so she could write on them. And so I said, I got a great idea. I'm going to write it down. So I wrote down, you know, God thinks that you're beautiful. Uh, he, he really loves you. Whatever you're going through it's going to be okay. And then I just stood up. I walked over to her. Now my bus has really passed my stop, okay? This is a real struggle. I walked over to her, and I said, hey, I know you don't know me. And I don't know you but I felt like the Lord was saying to me to talk to you. Then she went, uh. <laughs> at this point, her eyes were bawling and she's crying and she's looking at me. And she's like, uh. Then I was like, shit, she's crying. I didn't I didn't, say, I didn't even say anything, man. I didn't say nothing. It <laughs> well, not me, guys. Not me. <laughs> not me. Then I said to her, here's, a, here's something for you. And so she took it and then I said, have a good one. <laughs> so if you know any of our single deck buses here, is that once you move away, everybody still can see you. <laughs> so I said, have a good one. And I walked away and I stood there in front and I was like, where is the bus stop? <laughs> Press the bell. Press the bell. Stood there. And she's looking at me. She's crying, right? She's crying. And I'm like, I can't pray for her now. <laughs> I need to get off the bus. I want to go home. <laughs> and she looks at me and looks. It felt like uh, eternity. As, and reached the stop. I knew like I had to do something. And I turned to her and I said, have a good one. <laughs> and I got off the bus. <laughs> Why did I tell you that story? Sometimes our, our yeses don't look perfect. They are a bit of a struggle sometimes. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I remember being at Changi Village once. Uh, we were eating with our team uh, just uh, for one of our well, just before camp, and we were talking. We were talking for two hours, three hours, and uh, and throughout the entire time, the Lord highlighted me. One of these guys who were cleaning the table, and he said, "Actually, I want you to go and hug him. Hug a guy? Are you for real?" So I stood up after we had finished being done with our thing because you know you don't want to be the guy who hugs then you still sit back down like have a good one. (laughs) Right? So when we were done eating everybody stood up walked away and then I just walked towards the guys and the guys were like oh Axel going to get into a fight. They were all like what's Axel doing? Is he going to get into a fight or something? I walked over to the guy in my real cool weather and he's like Right, right. I walk over to him and I said, "Hey, uh, what's your name?" And I got his name. And then I said to him, "I said, hey, I just felt like God wants me to tell you that you're beautiful. I want to give you a hug." And he looked at me like, "Yeah, just uh, like a like a real hug." And he's like, "Okay." And he's just like, I was like, I, "I I think that's not gonna work out." I was like, "Hey, how about we shake hands?" Like, Well, <laughs> a man does not deny a handshake." But he can't deny a heart. So I shake his hand. I don't. <laughs> when we encounter the power of Jesus, we encounter his goodness, we can't stop chasing him. And we won't stop chasing Jesus. We can't stop loving people and we and we won't stop loving people.